All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. Thursday, October 25th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. Oh, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com is the site. DFSR.com if you want to type in less keystrokes on the old keypad. DFSR.com slash deals. Still, does it still get you free seven days? Are we still doing that? You, yeah, you dude, me. we're sticking with it. People have liked the seven days, and it works well for us, too, because we uh, we believe in our product, and it lets people come in and test it out, and you know, then ultimately forget that they signed up and, and pay for a <laughs> The free seven days. Free seven days just means we get a little longer leash of people complaining that the free trial, they canceled before the free trial. All right. Now, DF, that's a good sales pitch, but dfsr.com slash deals get you that free seven day trial. Go and check that out. We're too lazy to ever switch these things back to three days. And that's why I'll probably run for the That is actually not true. People have said that they'd like, no, of course. A, you know, the sample size is long in these things. And, you know, if you can get just one or two days of zooming in on a product isn't going to tell you much about it. We believe in it enough that we think you try it for seven days, you'll stick around. So that's what's worked out so far this year. October's been a huge month for us, uh, both in terms of just winning at TFS and signing up new customers. So we hope you'll come on board. All right, dfsr.com slash deals. There you go. A premium chat, optimal items for FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, premium content. It's all covered under one subscription package. So go and check that out. All right, dude, um, we did not do a recap podcast because I was in just travel hell uh, coming back. Um, But I'm back in the States now. And ready to roll. So we didn't do a recap podcast. Uh, my brain's a little fuzzy, but I'm going to mostly just kind of call on you here to uh, roll through your cash game article for week eight. Looks like we got some interesting plays here. I don't know if we're going to see a lot of chalk. We'll go through game by game breakdown tomorrow where we'll cover more of the injury news and notes after we get through Thursday's practices. And we kind of have an idea of who's playing and who's not. But let's start at quarterback. We've seen, uh, you know, we, we rolled Baker Mayfield last week, and mm-hmm. he basically got there at the end. It was looking real dice um, <laughs> come halftime against Tampa Bay. And then uh, he was able to just kind of will his way back uh, just kind of just because they just needed to play catch up. We don't see him this week, but we have a couple guys that are at the upper end of the salary scale. You started with Jameis Winston. Walk me through. He goes against Cincinnati. Walk me mm-hmm. through um, why you think. I mean, is he your top cash game play? He's listed first here, but I'm wondering if there's if there's a wider spread in the four guys you wrote up, or do you see them you see them all as being equal? We can start with Jameis. No, I don't see them all as being equal necessarily, but I did write up four total quarterbacks because I do think there are a few different directions you can go this week. I think ultimately Jameis is a pretty good option because he kind of blends both. Well, he's got the lowest price tag of any of these guys on DraftKings, and I, I think he'll be somewhat of a chalk play there. But I think we're also potentially going to see more upside out of Winston going forward. Last week, he threw us for 365 yards, doesn't have a single passing touchdown, and still finished the game with 22 fantasy points. And the reason for that is the running game is just in such shambles right now in Tampa Bay. Uh, Barber missing practice again this week. It looks like Ronald Jones is taking all the first-team snaps. What else can be the plan other than hand the ball to Winston when they get down and close? Five carries two weeks ago against Atlanta, 10 carries for 55 and a touch against Cleveland. I think that the plan right now is for Winston to take on that Cam Newton level role, um, just be involved in every single play on the offense. And if he's going to do that, he's probably going to be worth more than 7,800. Vegas is still a believer here. Tampa Bay are underdogs, but I think it's like three point underdogs and they're in the game the third highest total on the slate so and you know the other two games above them by the way uh, the Kansas City and Rams games they just carry serious blowout risk both of those uh, nine point spreads or higher so if you want to get a quarterback in the game with the highest spread that's not a blowout then I think you can think about Winston here 
Yeah, it all makes sense. And then, I mean, you, the next guy you have up is the, his opponent here in Andy Dalton. Uh, they have a huge total, 29, among the highest. Of the, I think he's actually even over 29 at this point, among the highest of the entire day. And we didn't, we're get to some of these other high-priced quarterbacks maybe tomorrow. But um, do you see Dalton, does it make you feel better on Dalton that their, their implied total is higher? Or are you just kind of looking at this game as just being high-scoring in general? And that's kind of the way to, to go with these quarterbacks. Yeah, I think it'll be high scoring in general. I think it will feature a lot of possessions. And I don't mind Dalton. I mean, that, that's why I listed him here. I think there's a strong case to be made for him. I think it's been kind of interesting in Cincinnati so far because I actually wind up, wind up writing up Joe Mixon as well. I think that the Bengals are a team that's not afraid to stick with what's working in a given game. And just given that they have the highest total here, I think you probably could get a slice of either Dalton or Mixon. But I mean, yeah, you've got a quarterback on the opposing team who's the same price and that team's scheduled to score more points. I think you actually have to at least consider it. The one thing I would like to throw out for in Dalton's favor, and I don't know if this makes him a cash game play or a big tournament play, but Tampa Bay has been one of the most polarized defenses of the league this season. Uh, they've been just simply horrendous, oh, yeah. otherworldly bad, 13.7 yards per attempt allowed through the air. That's just awful. Uh, you know, that's I think it's only second worst in the league right now, but that would have been the worst in the NFL last season by a full yard per attempt and they've also been quietly excellent against the run in spite of being in games where their opponents would like to run on them they've allowed 3.6 yards per carry which is the third lowest uh in the whole nfl too so you know i, I think you can still make a case for playing mixon we'll talk about him in a little while just because again running back is pretty poor but um i think for that reason you could see the bengals just give dalton a little bit more attempts per than usual and i think that could be a that can be good for his fantasy value, obviously. Yeah, Tampa Bay ranks dead last against the pass uh, in DVOA, 44%, uh, which is like, I don't know, 8% worse than the next highest, the next worst team, which is a really, really big spread when you're talking about how bad a team is. 10th against yeah. 10th against the rush. Um, I think it's mostly the rushing looks better, too, because they're simply just so horrendous <laughs> against the pass. Teams just know they go in there and just throw the ball all day long. Running backs are good. We'll get into you mentioned Mixon. Running backs actually just eat on them through the air as well. Like They just can't. They can't defend anything when it comes to the passing game. Uh, the rest of these guys, um, you know, this list, I, it's funny because I was like, oh, well, you know, Mahomes and Roethlisberger are play, two of the teams uh, that are just playing in the, the highest game totals, uh, and yet we don't have them. Is it more of a price thing on those two guys? Like, they're very expensive. Mahomes at 9200 but Kansas City is still very much the Kansas City offense. I know they're going against Denver. Um, is it, was it mostly a price thing? Because you, you wrote up Luck and Rodgers after these two guys. Did it end up becoming salary-based, or does it that you just see maybe some regression coming, uh, specifically Mahomes? Yeah, so Mahomes, uh, the system sometimes doesn't know quite what to make of Mahomes. No. I mean, he's the season's highest-scoring fantasy player, so he's obviously quite good, uh, averaging 28 fantasy points a game, which is the full, let's see, oh, of people on this slate that's four points higher than the next highest guy. So obviously Mahomes is an, an excellent player and a premium fantasy option, but the real question is, yeah, do you want to pay 600 more than Rodgers or 900 more than Luck on FanDuel? And I think the spread is even wider on DraftKings. And, and I think the answer for me winds up being no. I think we've seen with the Chiefs, yes, they'll use Mahomes to get up and establish a big lead. After that, I, I don't see them being shy about relying on Kareem Hunt. You know, Hunt is still touching the ball 20 plus times per game. And the thing I like about Luck and Rodgers is they don't really boast the same issues in terms of having an effective running game that they can turn to if they happen to get up. Uh, in the case of Rodgers, you know, they're nine-point underdogs against the Rams, and they're going to have to pass. And Rodgers, you know, he's just been great once again. I mean, he's coming off back-to-back 400-yard games. Um, the rank or the Rams, rather, ranked dead last in the NFL in terms of yards per attempt allowed to opposing quarterbacks. 
this game has the slate's highest total. Like I think there's a very, very strong case for Rodgers um, just as like a straight up big money, excellent quarterback play. He also gets Cobb back this week if you think that helps him too. Um, so yeah, I really like Rodgers. Luck is the guy I wanted to get your opinion on because when I wrote the DFSR ebook a few years ago and you know we've been updating it ever since, one of the things that we drew out was that passing attempts don't necessarily correlate to fantasy production. Luck has been the exception to that rule this season. He's been one of the very worst quarterbacks in the entire NFL in terms of yards per attempt. It's 6.26 yards per attempt. That gets him right between Josh Rosen and Josh Allen, which is to say barely NFL caliber. But he's just leading the league in attempts, and he has got 311 passing attempts this season. He's been scoring... Uh, let's see here. Yeah, third in, in the NFL in terms of quarterback fantasy points. He's not priced that way just because it's so ugly to watch. What do you think about playing Luck? Could we conceivably run him against Oakland in a game that also has a reasonable total and sort of get a discount on you know, paying up for the Rodgers-Mahomes-type tier? Yeah, last week was the first week where he did the volume wasn't completely there for him because they were just able to get uh, use the ground game. They got Marlon Mack going yeah, Mack's uh, and Roger, excuse me, Luck finally only threw like 28 total passes when he'd been averaging something like 45 or something, some some nutso amount. Like he leads the league in passing yeah, attempts. He had 23 by... last week, but he had four t- passing touchdowns. So he didn't get it in the attempts, but he was actually good. So he didn't need as many attempts. Yeah, no, I think he's fine. I think the volume is there. Um, I'm encouraged that he's been running as well. 65 rushing yards on the year. It's not a tremendous amount, but it's, it, you know, it does something for the for the fantasy floor. Uh, it helps him a lot to get T.Y. Hilton back last week. We saw that um, just be able to, I mean, he was able to kind of make do with what they had even when he was injured, but getting Hilton sure. back, throwing Hilton in the red zone. I think it's an important part of his game. I think, yeah, I think just uh, the Oakland defenses, you know, we mentioned the Tampa Bay defenses being bad against the pass. Um, Oakland just ranks right behind them in terms of their 31st in DVOA, uh, and they're they're significantly worse than the next the next worst team too. So like they're almost as bad. They're, they're as right. bad as, as compared to the next worst team as Tampa is compared to them. So or as compared to Oakland, uh, you know, no, I, I don't mind it. This is an interesting week. I think we're going to see some really spread out ownership at quarterback because there is a group of there is a group of quarterbacks. The, the group that we mentioned here: Jameis, Luck, uh, Rogers, and Dalton, and then the aforementioned Mahomes and Roethlisberger. I do think people are going to have a hard time deciding which group of the guy or excuse me, not which group, which guy among this group to pay for because you can make a strong case for every single one of them. And if there's enough savings uh, at the other positions, which I really think there are, I think you're going to see you're going to see some really spread out ownership among this group. And I think that's where people are probably going to really end up distinguishing lineups because I think we're going to see some other chalkier plays at the other positions. We can, let's get to running back. Um, you know, we started with James Conner. Le- Le'Veon Bell is still not back. Does not look like he's going to report. People just still keep predicting when he's going to report. I don't think any yeah. Bell has never said when he's going to. So it was like, oh, he'll report after week four. He'll report after week seven. Like. That's just all guesses. No, no one really knows if he's ever going to report. At this point, <laughs> the Steelers even wanted to report. Like Connor's been great. Like I don't even. I think Connor's been better than Bell I, for all intents and purposes. I, I I can't imagine the Steelers even want Bell to come back, except to just give them maybe some depth. Do you see Connor as just being uh, a chalk play? We have not had a lot of main slates where he's been on. Pittsburgh's been playing in a lot of uh, like primetime games or just um, and then buys and whatnot. So I don't feel like it's been maybe three weeks since we've really seen Connor kind of show up here. 8,000 on FanDuel. Do you see him as a chalk play? I do, actually. You know, it's really the, the most fascinating thing about situations like this for me is like this uh, this dance between teams and their running backs where the running back says, well, we're succeeding because of me. And the team says, well, actually, you're succeeding because of us. And right. I really like when teams like the Steelers, you know, I, I hate to be the guy on the side of like 
big business here, but when they're like, listen, man, like you can come play or not. And mm-hmm. we'll just like see what happens. And James Conner just steps in and he's been yeah, excellent. Like you mentioned, I think Conner right now at the $8,000 price tag, I think basically the big decision this week is, are you going to be able to pay up for Gurley or not? Yeah. And I think that at 11,000 on FanDuel, a lot of people will somehow land on the or not thing. And it's, I mean, is that, I think that's the highest price I've ever seen in, mm-hmm. in the NFL on FanDuel, if I'm not mistaken. And at some point, a guy can just become too expensive. And uh, when you run Gurley's resume up against just about anyone, it's going to look favorably. But given that you can get Connor for 3000 less, that's like a whole defense. You get to play an extra defense or, you know, you get to upgrade your wide receiver from some guy you've never heard of at $6,000 to Antonio Brown. Like, you're going to probably take the savings for starters. Uh, and as for Connor, yeah, he's just been great. The last two weeks, nearly identical lines. Uh, I'll read the two lines. So 111 yards, two touchdowns, four catches, 27 fantasy points. 110 yards, two touchdowns, four catches, 33 fantasy points. The guy's just been incredibly consistent. We've already seen him perform in this exact matchup, dropping his second best game of the season, 32 fantasy points against the Browns in week one at 8,000. It just seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And when we look at running back usage on the season, there's we've talked at length about there's being a group of a very small group of guys at the top that you can count on for consistent touches every single week. Obviously, Gurley, um, and that's going to be another interesting decision about where they're finally daring you on price. The eleven thousand, um, it's it's actually it's crazy. It's actually even a little bit more palatable on DraftKings where they where it's ninety eight hundred, still very very expensive. We have him for five points more than the next closest running back um which is just i mean that i Seems can't good. remember i can't remember a time where it was that big of a spread i think if you're looking to play Gurley, just go to DraftKings and play him for 1200 less uh and you can probably get some more saving elsewhere the 11th i think i'm with you but anyway the uh, excuse me with you by being a little too expensive uh on on FanDuel but if you look at this group of, of usage guys it's Gurley. he averages 25 and a half touches per game uh that's carries plus targets then we have next is Zeke and I mean those touches are obviously not created equally to Gurley's because he's he's at 24 and that team's horrible and then Connor at 23 touches per game and we've seen that it's, it's script independent um if the Steelers are up great if the Steelers are behind he's still in there uh, I think I'm with mm-hmm. you I love the savings on him he seems he's at 100% of our lineups on FanDuel now after him where else can we go? We mentioned Mixon at the top, uh, not to bury the lead here. You have Mixon and Kareem Hunt. Start me with one of these guys. Um, Hunt is a guy that I know we, we talked at length about last year, and you you thought that he was just – that he, basically he stunk. And you were mostly correct because at times he just looked like he was really, really bad. He, re, he had just huge differences in his game uh, scripts or just and his touches. Are you coming around to Hunt here? Um, they're, these two are basically the same uh, priced on both sites. Do you have a inclination one or the other? You sort of see them as equal. Well, let's, first of all, it's going to be tough to paint with a broad brush my feelings on Kareem Hunt during all of last year because (laughs) last year was 16 different weeks and 16 different situations. And I think what we didn't believe in was when Kareem Hunt came out of the gate, we didn't think he would be the second coming of LaDainian Tomlinson, and that mostly turned out to be true. Uh, Like most running backs, though, Kareem Hunt, when given opportunity, can succeed. And we've seen with the Chiefs this season, when they get up, they're happy to rely on Kareem Hunt. Uh, You know, he's not in that super, super top tier of touch guys, but he's darn close. I mean, 20 touches last week against Cincinnati. He only had 15 against New England. Still managed 27 fantasy points, by the way, and most of the reason I think he had not so many touches was because he was so excellent on the touches he did have. Uh, Average 8 yards per carry and more than 20 yards per reception. Uh, 23 against Jacksonville, 22 against Denver, and so on. And so 
we're seeing with the Chiefs, they can get up quickly and they're not shy about leaning on Hunt when they're up. And so if they rate to be up in this game, which they do, they're the biggest favorites on the slate against Denver. Uh, you should see a, a good amount of Hunt and also Denver this season allowing five point yards per attempt on the ground. That's second worst in the NFL. So I think Kareem Hunt right now, $8,100 on FanDuel. We've seen him touch that high $8,000 price, and he could still uh, be underpriced. The real question with Hunt and Mixon both is really can you pay two $8,000 running backs? And that's the thing I I guess I would love your opinion on because you know I can make a good case for Mixon in a second. I mean, I already basically made it in Dalton. The Bengals rate to be up. This game has a high total, etc. Mixon is one of those high-touch guys. But can we really... Like on DraftKings, I don't know if we've ever been able to go double or even triple expensive at the running back and flex. FanDuel, it's looking a little tricky to do that right now, too. What do you think? Because, you know, it's all well and good to just write up all the guys for $8,000. Sure. But when it comes to actually having to make the lineups come game time, it's a kind of a different story, right? Well, on DraftKings, I don't think you need to because the passing games for some of these teams are so prolific that rostering wide receivers just has almost the same kind of floor as some of these running backs, unless you're getting the running back pretty cheap, like, you know, Latavius Murray last week or someone like that. Or, you know, one right, of thanks Nick, to the point per reception thing you're saying. Yeah, 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 the PPR or Nick Chubb or guys like that. Like, I think that's when you right. can kind of like think about going three running backs, but I don't think paying up for three of these this upper tier guys who are all pretty priced correctly at this point, I don't think you really need to on DraftKings because of the PPR. One thing that's interesting about Hunt that we have seen in the last two weeks, and I don't know if it's sustainable or not, it's a guy that they really the Chiefs did not want to play on third down and hurry up situations, definitely not in passing. He's had twelve targets total in the last two weeks, six and six. That is Yep. I'd be interested to see if that's going to stick with him because that has not been the case for him up until this point. He's been basically just a running back only like in terms of run plays, not really targeted in the passing game. If all of a sudden the plan now is to just have him as sort of like a three-down back kind of guy and to see a lot of passes, then he is going to probably vault himself to the next level. But I just... I'm just. I'm I mean, he averaged four targets a game last season. Like he definitely, he, he's shown an ability to do it. It's just a matter of if they decide they want to do it or not. There's four running backs that fit the the checkbox of what we like to see uh, going into cash games, and that's home favorites. You can be road favorites as well. Basically, just being being favorites is the thing. And those running backs are Mixon, Connor, Hunt, and Gurley. And, and so Gurley. I think yeah. you're gonna. He, there's such a drop off after those guys that I want to at least on Fanduel want to fit at least two of them. I think, you know, playing Connor and Mixon is fine because I, we'll get to some of these receivers in a second, but that's where you're going to run into the problem with not playing Gurley because unless you're getting some pretty significant savings at receiver, I just, I, I'm hard pressed, like you said, to see how you, to see how you do it. We could talk about Philip Lindsay tomorrow on the game by game. Well, I was going to say, let's just jump real, real quick. And just because if people only listen to this for their cash games, there are some of those mid range guys that people are going to consider this week. So just so they can be on your radar, I'm sure people will consider Philip Lindsay with Freeman out. I'm sure that people will consider Nick Chubb after a nice week. Again, he's an eight point underdog. Lindsay right. is a, a ten point underdog. That's a big problem. Um, like it's a big, it's big, a, big problem with these running backs. Like especially Chubb, really like, hard to get your carry share if you are going to be an eight point underdog. You know, right? So like um, if if you think Lindsay's, you know, if you think if Freeman's out and Lindsay's going to be just like their every down back and Devontae Booker's not going to get that hurry up offense stuff, I think he might be able to get there um, just because. He's cheap and he he can catch the ball. Chubb is a totally different animal. Eight point underdogs. Duke Johnson's their th- their their third down guy and c- like kind of play catch up guy. So you could really run into problems with him. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about Jalen Richard and Doug Martin. I mean the the Raiders and Marlon Mack is another one. There's oh, there's a whole sea of these guys who, you know, either have a sketchy track record, no track record, huge underdogs. It's a it's a really really hard situation after you get past the 
like the clear RB1 guys this week. All right, let's go through wide receivers. Um, we have another, it looks like Cooper Cup is going to be out again. Do you see, we were all over the Rams receivers, specifically Woods uh, last week without without Cup. Do you see those guys as being cash game viable again? They're big, they're up, they're, you know, they're huge favorites here. There's, I guess there's some blowout risk. They still threw the ball enough last week, but they were up by so much. They really didn't, they kind of just sat everyone in the fourth quarter. Do you, are you worried about a situation like that for the Raiders, uh, the Rams receivers again this week, or can we go back to them for cash games without cup? No, I'm, I'm concerned about them, but I think we still might be able to go back to them. The thing that happened last week, like you said, was just the extreme blowout. Uh, Robert Woods, you know, who we had really liked going yeah. into the week, especially because he was going to slide into the slot and get cups targets there and presumably his other targets too. He only winds up playing 50 snaps after being a regular 70-plus snap guy. And that just has to be because the Rams were up by so yes. much. Um, yes, they're favored heavily this week again. But being a nine-point favorite, you know, this is, I'm hearkening back to our NBA analogies here because you know, often see nine-point favorites in the NFL. But being a nine-point favorite basically just means Vegas pictures this team being up by, like, a touchdown going into the fourth quarter. And if they're up by a touchdown, was it still going to be on the field, you know? So I think that you can assume if you extrapolate his – the seven targets he had up by 40 percent you're around 10 targets and i think that's enough for him to pay value on these prices so yeah it's not it's not the easiest thing in the world to just look at a team that's favored by this much coming off a week where they just sat guys because they were in, in a blowout situation but i still think you can go back to the well on woods here and um i think with cup out he's just going to be so heavily a part of the plan that he should be worth a little bit more than his current prices. Yeah, and so just on, on Woods, he played 50 snaps. Uh, you know, Goff only played 51, He and Goff only attempted 24 passes. Woods saw seven of those targets, so he's at more than a 24%, more than a 25% target share on what he on what their plan was, right? He just didn't, he just didn't right. need to throw anymore. Like, you, you bring in the, the, the Mannions in with, like, eight minutes left to go in, in the fourth quarter because they're just completely crushing them. So um, I think the target share is easily double digits if Denver can do anything to keep the game even remotely close. Uh, I love going sure. back. I love that Woods didn't have a huge game last week almost. Like, he was just kind of – he wasn't good enough. Yeah, people but would be he didn't no, compl- he was bad. He, he didn't he completely had- kill you. Um, I mean, he had over 10 fantasy points. I mean, like, um, it wasn't like, you know, a Jermaine Curse zero, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm not totally comparing them because um, sure. obviously it's Curse versus Woods. But I think going – the fact that the price didn't really move all that much and the situation to me is exactly the same. I think it's pretty easy going back there. You have Devontae Adams first. Are you worried at all? One, about the matchup. Two, with like guys like Randall Cobb possibly coming back. Adams has been about as good as a target guy in the NFL this season uh, with Rodgers. Is, is them getting healthier maybe in the wide receiver core a reason to be concerned, or you just see him among this elite group of target guys uh, for wide receivers? And the, 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 upper, the upper group of this is like Thielen and maybe Antonio Brown. Do you, do you put him around that group of guys? I think so. Uh, you know, three straight weeks now. Well, after three weeks, he's got an average of 14 targets, and that would, of course, be just a ridiculous historic pace if he could sustain it. And I guess I, I'm, the question I'm asking is, like, why would they stop throwing to Adams? I cited this stat that I found in the article, but Rodgers has averaged 8.4 yards per target when throwing to Adams, and on the season, Rodgers has averaged just 7.9 yards per attempt. And that's just... That basically means that throwing to Devontae Adams has been the best play for the Packers so far this season. In a game where they rate to be behind and they're going to be trying to play catch-up, I just don't see how throwing to Adams isn't a huge part of the plan. Again, they threw to him 14 times per game in the last three games. So if that number comes down to 10 with Cobb coming back, and Cobb, you know, more, I would say it's a much safer bet to say Cobb will take targets from the Tier 2 and Tier 3 receivers on this team, then I think we still have a reasonable play in Adams here. So the Packers won't be able to run 
they have to pass. Adams is their clear-cut moving-the-chains guy. I still think he's a totally viable player. You have Tyreek Hill also. Tyreek's, oh, I mean, obviously you can't argue with the athleticism. The guy's uh, the fastest, looks like the fastest human alive when he actually catches the ball. It's always been the targets that I've been worried about with him. Do you see, because he's a guy that's like, obviously explosive. When he when he gets it, he can he can, is as dangerous as any wide receiver in the game. And I've just never put him in that group of guys. Like I, I always just kind of default to saying double-digit target guys because I think that's, that is sort of a watermark yeah. where they, that receivers can hit and then how far above it you go. Um, that's kind of where you go with the sky's the limit. I've never really put him in that group, but I, I mean, we have him for like nine targets. That's not that many. La- he's great. Four, and, yeah, go ahead. I mean, make, make the case for Hill because he right? never strikes I mean, me as, a, as a, he never really strikes me as a cash game guy. Yeah. The last four weeks, he's averaging more than 10 targets a game. And he obviously is very prominent in their scoring too. scored four touchdowns in the last two weeks. Uh, Hill, I think he is a funny guy because I think when he, like at first when it looked like the Chiefs were going to be like the second coming of the 2011 Patriots or whatever, and they still have looked great. Uh, I think people were a little bit too bullish on the 169 yards he had on the eight targets in the first week. And they've actually sort of transitioned Hill into more of a role where he's gobbling up some of these possession targets and moving the chains for them. And that's pulled down the yards per catch, but it's brought up that target share and, and raised the floor consequently. So yeah, I think Hill's playable. I think you know, with a gun to my head, if I had to pick between him and Woods, I would take Woods. Uh, if I had to pick between him and Adams, I would also pick Adams. And right. I don't know if you can wind up playing uh, all three of them. So I think for that reason, Hill might be the odd man out for me this week. But it really the question with Hill is, can he maintain this target share and the yards per catch that he's had in the past? Because the like our system and other systems might be confused. Because if he's going to catch more shorter passes, he might not go off for you know, because in the past he was kind of in this Mike Evans, you know, Amari Cooper rip when he was actually good. Um, T.Y. Hilton sort of category where the conversion rate wasn't great, but when he did catch the ball, it was for a lot of yards. Um, you don't want to just say, well, now he's getting 12 targets a game and seven catches a game. So that's going to be 150 yards. It just might not work out that way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still keeping my eyes open on Hill. I want to do a little bit more analysis before, you know, I kind of re- recommend him for cash games in sort of an unqualified fashion. But yeah, he's definitely on the, the short list this week. He's 12th in targets this year uh, overall. And I mean, that's, it's funny about these numbers because he's 12th in targets, but he's full, full 30 targets behind Adam Thielen right now. Like Thielen's just, he's not on this main slate, so we don't need to get into it. But, um, but among the, I'm using this top 12 because that's right where Hill sits. Uh, he's second in overall conversion, so 67%. So, so second overall, first in touchdowns, and third, fourth in yards. Um, the numbers are there. It, it's, it's one of those things, too, is like, you know, are the targets a little bit less because he just ch- chunks off so many yards with them? He's by far the easiest yards per target guy among that group at 10.4. No one else is really all that close. Julio is the next guy at 10, 10, and then there's a pretty significant drop-off all the way to like Hopkins or something like that. So um, it's one of those ones you wonder, okay, well, is he getting less targets just because he moves the ball further? Like that's kind of the Mahomes thing too, where Mahomes doesn't have all that many attempts per game, but that's because the attempts just go for so many damn yards that they just don't need to have another attempt in between, right? <laughs> like if one, like Andrew Luck exactly. goes six yards, Mahomes goes 20. I'm, I'm making these numbers up, but just to prove, a, you know, to illustrate a point, you just don't need, you don't need to have as many attempts because you just move the chain so much further down the field. I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Not a guy that I love to play in cash games, and he might just be coming too cheap because the targets might be low if for some reason they run a little bit bad on just getting tackled or whatnot. Uh, you also have Jarvis, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, man, this guy's got a 
50% conversion rate this year. That is easily, he's second overall in targets, easily, easily the lowest of, <laughs> of this group. I mean, like, just as a, as a note, Thielen's at 73, Julio 65, Odell at 66, Stefan Diggs at 64. You really need to be existing in like that 65% conversion rate. He's so much lower. I mean, we have him for a decent amount of targets. Are you worried that he gets looks but just simply can't catch the ball for whatever reason? Yeah, I am worried about that. Uh, but the thing is, he's just so cheap, right? So you could take away, like if you had to force feed him, like if you took away targets until he had a 67% conversion rate, he would still be one of the most heavily targeted receivers in the NFL. Right. And uh, the last five weeks, his fewest targets was 10. He topped 14 two different times. Uh, he was chalk play last week in cash games. It's hard to believe that he won't be a chalk cat or chalk cash game play this week uh, coming off the 15 target 10 catch 97 yard and a touch performance so yeah I, I think people will go back to the well on Landry this week if also just because you just can't play everyone for the big money uh, let's go real, real, uh, real quickly through tight end here. A tight end, obviously, always a pain point uh, at fantasy at this point. I wouldn't be shocked to see one of these sites just not make you play a tight end this year, next year. I, if someone were to just convert their scoring, like we talked about this, like FanDuel just gets rid of catcher because what's the point? I wouldn't be shocked if they just said this. It got completely ridiculous with tight ends this season, and it just no one has fun. I, if DFS is supposed to be kind of fun with an edge. Uh, I don't think many people have a lot of fun when it comes to rostering tight ends. I'm still seeing guys like Vance McDonald come up to our lineups just because he's kind of cheap. Jimmy Graham coming uh, pretty cheap. You have Najoku as the top overall guy. He did catch a touchdown last week. Do you see him as just sort of living in, existing in this middle tier of just enough targets for the production? Or do you still think, or, or are we possibly overpaying for his production? Yeah, I mean, Njoku, like, obviously you don't like to see the targets take a step back last week and go down to six targets in a really good matchup at Tampa Bay. But just who else do we want to play a tight end? That's the question I keep going back to uh, when it comes to this position, uh, given that he was featured in the red zone two different times, or, or rather just scored touchdowns in each of the last two weeks. He's still clocking in, topping 50 yards in basically every game here. Um, the Pittsburgh matchup is like whatever. If you think the Browns are going to be trailing, uh, they th- should theoretically be passing. This position is just the worst position I've ever yep. seen in any DFS game that I've ever played. <laughs> so I think your options are just pretty limited here. Uh, and even other guys like you know that people have seen as the quote-unquote safe tight ends this season have their own warts too. I mean, Eric Ebron is coming off of back-to-back seven target weeks in his own right. So unless there's some other guy that I simply am unaware of at the tight end position who is the safe guy who's also not going to break your bank, like you're not going to pay up for Travis Kelsey and his five targets for 7,300, are you? You know, unless that's the plan, uh, I just don't see, frankly, what your other options are. I mean, you know, obviously I didn't write up only one tight end. I think there are other things you could potentially do, but it's just very, very ugly right now at this position. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at, when, in our for our system's purposes, when you're seeing guys like CJ Azumwa, um, Vance McDonald, we have these guys for like four or five targets. It's not even like we're right. very bullish in our projections. It's just our system saying, just take a cheap guy and just, just get out of it and just worry about your other positions because there's really right. no, there's like four guys that are quote-unquote safe with their targets. That's like Ertz. I mean, they can't even call Kelsey like into that group of guys at this point. I'm not even sure. Um, I'm not even sure who the group is besides Ertz. But so uh, just go go cheap. Get four or five targets, hope they score a touchdown, hope they get like four for 50, and you're not just sitting with a zero at the end of the day and worry about the rest of your lineups. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow doing a game-by-game breakdown 
of all the injury news and notes that we get throughout the, that we had throughout this week. Talking more about GBP plays, there are probably some other cash considerations that we can kind of get into uh, tomorrow because it's an interesting week in terms of some fill in guys that could have some upside. DFSR.com is the site, DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you that free seven day trial. So go check that out. Crushing it for NBA so far this season. NFL as well had a nice little run. Things, uh, the, Things are feeling good around here at the DFSR offices, so we want you to be part of it too. DFSR.com slash deals will get you that free seven-day trial and then just $24.95 a month after that for the podcast listener. Buddy, talk to you again tomorrow when we break things down game by game. Peace. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Sherwin-Williams. Hi there. I heard paints are 30% off. Yep, and stains too. Right here. Mm-hmm. Only at your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Right now? Well, August 29th through September 9th. Ah, bring it in. I'm a big hugger. It's cool. Ask Sherwin-Williams August 29th through September 9th and save 30% on paints and stains with sale prices starting at $26.94. Only at your local Sherwin-Williams store. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details.